Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to the show, uh, the podcast, whatever you want to call it. So <clears throat> I haven't done many episodes lately. I sincerely apologize. I jumped back into radio, and when I was getting back into radio, I put all of my attention into my show that I've been doing. So now it's time to get back rolling with the podcast, which I'm super excited about because I have some episodes that are unreleased that I want to get out there for you and and also just roll into a, a whole new world with the podcast. Take this thing to the next level because it's all about being the teacher that you needed. I'm changing the direction of the podcast to talk to people who, you know, are, are teachers who have, have changed people's lives, who have changed the landscape of the world they live in and maybe the world that we live in as well. And one of those people is Mr. Joe Batista. Batista. So I had Joe Batista, which I called him Joe Batista on the first time we talked. So he has two back-to-back episodes here. I had him on last time. I had to bring him in again because he has this book, the author, uh, The Power of Pragmatic Passion, Seven Common Sense Principles for Achieving Personal and Professional Success. I love that book and I love the message that he sends out. So I really wanted to get him on the show again, just to talk more about him and, and about uh, his mindset. And uh, you know, hopefully there's some practical stuff in here because he really is a teacher. He's a motivational speaker, he's a consultant, and he does some pretty amazing things. So I wanted to highlight him on the podcast and give you give him a chance to talk more about his expertise, which is what we're going to do here today. But, and I also got to mention the awesome sponsors on the podcast, because I only have uh, podcast sponsors that I truly believe in their products. One of those things are float tanks, or sensory deprivation tanks, if you've never heard of them. If you've never tried them out, if you are not in the central Pennsylvania area, then find it uh, wherever you're at. But if you're in central PA, Evansburg PA has one inside of the Evansburg Mini Mall. It's the LHTA Wellness Center. So that's the Laurel Highlands Therapeutic Association or Academy, uh, one of the two. They've been on the podcast in the past talking about their float tanks, and I just want to highlight them on the show because I love what they do. LHTA Wellness Center. You need to get yourself in a sensory deprivation tank. You can call them at 814-471-6871 and a program that has helped to change my life, DDP Yoga. Diamond Dallas Page, former pro wrestler, now uh, a DDP Yoga master. It's not yoga, okay? It's DDP Yoga. If you want to know more about it, go to ddpyoga.com. I wouldn't even mention it if I didn't believe in it. I love DDP Yoga. I do it every day. You know, maybe I miss a day here and there but it's an every single day, every morning practice in my life. So that's something for me to you. Let's get this bad boy rolling with Joe Batista. This is Rob Z Radio. Now, the first time I had you in, uh, we didn't get a chance to do a Facebook Live. The connection wasn't very good, but today we got you on Facebook Live. So if you guys haven't heard the first episode with Joe, uh, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And I think that a lot of people out there could benefit a lot from it. You can go back on the podcast uh, Rob Z Radio on any podcast app and find that episode. Really happy to have you in here again. Thanks for doing this again. Uh, it, it's a pleasure. You, I, I love your enthusiasm and you're passionate about what you do, and so it makes it makes it fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you wrote this book, The Power of Pragmatic Passion, and so when we first talked, I didn't have a chance to read the book. So after we talked, I was like, I should go through and you know, sit down and, and read some of this. That'd be the right thing to do. As I was doing that, I was like, wow, I, I could have talked about this and this and this and this. So I marked off some stuff in here I wanted to talk about. You can throw out stuff that you want to sure. talk about. But we're also sure. going to give away copies of the book today. Got them so right guys, here. If you guys are watching this and you want a chance to win the power of pragmatic passion, just leave a comment, like the post, like the post, leave a comment, and you're entered to win. We'll give away some of those uh, later on, but we're going to talk 
about this book, I guess if they want to hear about your story, they can go back and check out the first episode, right, right. look you up online, lots of information about Legend you. in my own mind, Rob. <laughs> legend in my own mind. <laughs> Great way to put it. Legend in his own mind and throughout <laughs> central Pennsylvania, yeah. especially in state college, Penn State. I mean, helped to build the Pagula Ice Arena, and you've done a whole lot in the area. So uh, I think that the, ta- the tagline of the book, Dream Big, Keep It Real, Get It Done, says it all. Right, to have, those, to have the vision, to be pragmatic about the vision, and to actually get it done. Yeah, and, and we, as we talked last time, it's that, that third step. It's the execution. It's the action. You know, a lot of people dream. A lot of people have good vision, good ideas. And uh, they'll even go as far as to put down in writing what the plan is to make it happen. Yeah. And then it's having that courage to get over the hump and, you know, get the momentum and some inertia and, uh, and that's why I believe most people somewhere, some somehow need a coach, a mentor, somebody, a, an accountability partner uh, that's going to keep their feet to the fire and get you, get you to do what you said you were going to do. Yeah, an accountability partner. Boy, how do you find one, I guess? I think we talked, we talked about this a little bit on the first one. Now, we talked about mentors, I know that. Now, right. an accountability partner, like somebody who's on the same path as you, maybe not in the same industry but you have the same mindset yeah it you you really need i talk about this in the book it's before you even get into the the meat of the book the very first part is read this first and the first point is if you want to have success with the book you have to choose an accountability partner so you got to sit down with somebody and say okay hey i got this book and you know it's going to take me a while to get through it especially if i do the exercises and give it the deep thought that i am hoping people will do they have to go in here and say all right well i'm going to choose an accountability partner now if it's you know a, a student you know okay you can pick a parent or a coach or a teacher or uh, you know maybe an uncle, an older sibling, that sort of. But you gotta find somebody that's gonna really hold you accountable. Yeah. You said you were gonna do this. Now here we are, a week out. Have you read this part? Have you answered the questions in the chapter at the end of the chapter? Have you gone online and done some of the exercises there? Because otherwise, if you don't apply this, why do it? Right. right? It's just it's well, it makes you feel good. Yeah. I'm reading it. Ooh, well, I'm reading the information. I'm getting it. Now I'm, I'm feeling good. Like I feel inspired. But yeah, if you don't take that next step, it's just like the dream big. You can, you can read it. Well, that, that dream it, of like, man, it, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, you may remember there's a, there's a pragmatic passion graph in there. And, and I talk about that person that has all this passion, yeah, but no pragmatic piece to what they're trying to do. They're just a fantasizer. Yeah. You might as well just, you know, go to the movies. <laughs> it's it's not, you know, and there's a difference. Like a dream, most people, when they dr- intentionally dream about, uh, have a dream, they'll act on it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, they may not finish it, but at least they'll try to, the fantasizers, the person that just, you know, hey, I won the lottery, I get to, you know, go, no, that that's, that's not life. I'm right. sorry. I mean, uh, maybe it happens for this minute you know part of our population mm-hmm. most of us uh, as we were talking before the show you know it's a grind and, yeah and as fo- soon as you recognize that and you understand that that you know you've you've got a 
you know, come, you got to show up every day. And there's going to be days when even if you have a job you love, there's going to be days when you got to eat the shit sandwich, as Liz Gilbert says. That's exactly right. In her book, Eat, Pray, Love. And, <laughs> you know, it, it basically says, you know, we, we always, well, you want to do this because you love this. All right. The other approach to that is, all right, what's the worst part of that job? Are you willing to do that? Yeah. You know, every so often because it'll happen to anybody. Yeah. There's going to be times you're going to have conflict. There's going to be tough negotiations. Um, you may have to learn new skills. You may have to adjust. You know, a new competitor comes into the market. So you better be willing to grind it out. And yeah. I, you know, obviously the more skills you have, the better. And that's where the accountability partner. This person, they're not there to scream and yell at you, but they're also not there to baby you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to just do the bobblehead. Yeah, you're fine. Go mm-hmm. ahead and, you know, no, they, they've got to be able to say, well, I'm going to challenge you on that. All right. Or tell me why you gave that answer. Um, you know, the Socratic method of, you know, asking questions. You know, I, I went to a seminar where, guys, you have to ask why five times. Well, why? Well, why? Why? It, it, it makes the other person accountable. They have to be able to get, and it can't be the one we give our kids all the time because I said so. Yeah. <laughs> Those whys are tough. I mean, that's why you get mad at the little kid because they'll ask why a million times until they get down to the core. And you don't even know who you are anymore. There's a great Louis C.K., the comedian, yeah. his bit about that. His kids kept asking why, and he's like, I don't. No, I don't even know who I am anymore. Because when you ask that why a couple of times, past the second, third why, you're like, I don't know. You've peeled back the layer of the onion so scary. far to get to the core. And and that's, I think, another part of like what happens in life is that people are embarrassed to be vulnerable. Yeah. And, and they don't want you to know that they don't know. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, well, okay, well, you're not going to grow unless you're willing to ask. And I, you know, one of my favorite, you know, analogies and and stories um, is that, you know, when, when you've got your quote plan and here it is, it's the perfect plan. You have to have the confidence and the courage to hand it over to somebody and say, all right, rip this thing to shreds for me. Tell, tell me what I missed. You know, what am I overlooking? Mm -hmm. Uh, What assumptions did I make that are just not, there um and and then be willing to get that feedback yeah because if you're going to get defensive well then you know it's uh, the old if you build it they will come Mm, maybe (laughs) and uh no you you trust but verify uh, to me i i think i mentioned it before that field of dreams is one of my favorite movies it's a fantasy. <laughs> it's something you kick back and watch. Yeah, you know, it's a if, great saying. If you it, build, it, it will come, but it's a piece of a movie about ghost baseball players. Yeah, apply it to real life. Doesn't quite it's, work. It's, and, and you know, I I remember. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you, you know, do build, if you do build something like very impressive, if you do build a you know whatever your career is, whatever your thing is, your legacy, people will come to it. But as you're building it you're going to have to tear it down and rebuild it. Like you're going to have to figure it out throughout time and, and have somebody there who's putting you in check yes. along the way. Well, and, and if you think about this, so um, even even if you've got a great idea and even if you've built the the best widget ever, right, if there's no market for it mm-hmm. and, or it's priced poorly, um, it's not delivered on time, then you don't have a sale, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you're, there are pieces of it 
that that you know this it's never as easy i think as some people think which means you have to make sure you go above and beyond and you know try to make sure that you've got some redundancies built in to systems and things like that so that yeah. those inevitable times when machinery breaks down technology doesn't work you know uh you're ready and you're not going to panic because you've accepted that hey you know what there's going to be a time when uh-oh the board's not working yeah you know uh the internet's down yeah what do you do okay well you don't panic you say okay well we've been through this i've planned for it i, I have the confidence that i can do it and the courage to ask others for help if I can't solve it myself. Mm -hmm. That's the most important, the humility in that. Is it the, sometimes the hardest thing to do. It's sometimes the piece of the puzzle that a lot of people miss. I think that whenever you're talking about you know, putting, putting all the pieces of the puzzle together, going through the process yes. is... Uh, we were just talking about before we started here, because today's one of those days like where I just you know things aren't lining up the way I want them to. So... And I was getting kind of, I was getting irritated earlier. I'm like, man, my day's not going the way I wanted to. And what I've been actually paying attention to a lot lately and studying a lot lately is just that you have to be able to appreciate and accept however the day unfolds. Because if you don't and you start to let it take, like if, if it doesn't follow your plan and your path, just like building your business, if it doesn't follow your plan and your path and that bothers you that you, you get off step a little bit, and then that can snowball into more and more and more setbacks, you're gonna fall apart so fast. Nothing's ever gonna actually happen because right. you can't control certain things. You well, can't control I, life. You may not, I don't know if you've gotten to this part, but when you're talking about uh, decision-making, okay, uh, I, I've worked for people over the years where they make an agenda for the meeting and there is no very, variability at all you're sticking to it we gave 10 minutes to this topic and five minutes to this topic and blah 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 and i've always looked at that and said boy that that's so rigid mm -hmm. okay if the decision that you're making you know all have the same weight to them mm -hmm. uh you get but you now you come to that part of the meeting where it's the really big decision you've got to give it the time and especially if it's starting to go over, you look at the agenda and you've got to be flexible and say, okay, uh, item number five on the agenda, we're going to table that and deal with it, you know, because it's not critical to have an answer for it now. And we're on the verge of a great discussion here. We're getting close. That, to me, that's where leadership comes in. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, that flexibility, but also knowing what the right thing is to be flexible for, right? Right. When you're well, heading in the right direction. You know, it, it, look, we, we both talked about how, you know, the interruptions happen. You know, that's somebody else's urgent isn't necessarily our important. Yeah. And and walking that fine line between being good with customer service and wanting to respond to people right away. And, uh, well, that's that's really something I can delegate or it's I can get to it a little later because what I'm working on over here is far more important. Yeah. All right. And if you handle, if you can say to somebody, hey, I, I know this is important to you, but listen, you, you got to give me a little bit of time. What What's your deadline on that? Like if I, if you give me a couple hours, you give me a couple of days, whatever it might be, I promise I'm going to get back to you. 
and then get back over here because, you know, the emergency, you know, that they have, you know, doesn't mean you necessarily have to drop everything you're doing. Yeah. Now, there's more to that story, too, because this is life. You know, um, you're a client. <laughs> Sometimes you got to make that conscious decision. All right, I am going to have to drop everything I'm doing because I this this person's you know sixty percent of my income. Yeah, I I might have to do what I got to do. Yeah, all right. And I think part of that comes with age and wisdom and experience, knowing when you've got to make that that judgment call. And you know, I, I worry sometimes now, Rob, that. We've put so many processes, so many procedures, mm-hmm. so many rules into place. We've taken that kind of judgment out of it. And, and you know, uh, the ability to use creative thinking. All right, how, how can, you know what, I, I, can, I can get somebody else to go deal with this situation here um, and still stay focused on what I've got, you know, that's going to make a big difference mm-hmm. over here. And, you know, I, I, I really think that they're, I called them, um, in the book, uh, agenda zombies, <laughs> you know, it's boom, boom. And that's why people hate meetings. You know, Patrick Lencioni wrote, wrote a book called death by meeting. <laughs> okay. And, and I think it, 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 it's not what people think. They think, Oh yeah, I, I, I I'm with him, you know? No. What he says is look, meetings are critical. You have to have meetings. The problem with most meetings is they're poorly organized. You mm-hmm. don't always have the right people in the room. Sometimes you have people you don't need. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't have the people that can really, and then you got, you're just wasting everybody's time, including your own. And you got to decide, is this, is this just an informational meeting or is this a meeting to brainstorm? Is it a meeting where we have to make a critical decision? Yeah. And that takes skill. And I think you'll be much happier. You'll, your meetings will be much more productive. Because at the end of the day, meetings have to occur. You've got to communicate. Um, but I, I, I've learned over the years, and I was guilty of this as, as a coach. I was guilty of it as an administrator that there were certainly some meetings that just did not need to be held. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, especially there's... So those uh, kind of standard uh, meetings that you know are scheduled every Tuesday at ten o'clock, kind of thing, and I, I always get a kick out of the fact that like you'll show up and like, well, nobody's got anything on the agenda. Nobody wants to talk about anything. Well, that's okay. Cancel it. Just end it. <laughs> Instead of sitting around just talking about nothing for yeah. two hours. Now, now sometimes you need to get a- around just to basically bring bring everybody up to speed on some things. But you don't you don't have to have meetings for the sake of having meetings. My experience was like with meetings. Um, if you know, usually the people that I had that were hosting the meetings would give objectives at the end of the meeting, but they would never follow up with those obje- objectives at the next meeting or yeah. any other time. So they'd give like these tasks, and as uh, one core, core part of it, obviously, is giving people things to do. But you have to like check up on them and then see if they're finishing them down the road. I personally, uh, meetings drive me crazy. They do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I do understand definitely super important to have them, but I, they have to be for the right reasons. You right. can't just like say, hey, every week we're going to have a meeting at this time just because we're having it. There's got to be some real purpose behind that. You need to like be driving things forward. Uh, personally, owning my own business, I, I like the fact that I almost just hold meetings with myself which is nice, so I can 
can I can decide when it's over, when it begins, you know. <laughs> um, but now that I'm getting a couple of employees, I'm getting I have an, an assistant. I'm, I'm bringing in interns. Uh, I, I look at like how would I want a meeting to be structured, and it's got to be we got to get practical things done, yeah. pragmatic, right? Yes. You well, you know what? Practical, real you, stuff done. You said it before. You, you walk out of there with next steps, and yeah. then and then you have to. That gets back to the accountability partner. Right. Well, sometimes in in an organization, same thing. You know, I I'm your supervisor. I'm holding you accountable. I'm the manager. You know, whatever it might be. And okay, we said next step you were going to have such and such done by Friday. Mm-hmm. All right, it's Friday. You know, now if you know ahead of time you're not going to get it done by Friday, the smart thing to do is to go in and say, hey, look, um, we underestimated the amount of time. Uh, I'm going to need a couple of days. That way you're not getting called on the carpet in the meeting. You're being proactive. Now, uh, you know, hopefully you're being honest with your supervisor and not, you know, because you were lazy yeah. and procrastinating that things didn't get done. Yeah. It just, uh-oh, uh, you know, we, we, need, we need a little more. There's some key information that's critical uh, to us making a, a better, more informed decision. Let's let's wait a couple of days and get that. Now, if it's just some, you know, insignificant piece of trivia, that's the kind of stuff to me that isn't pragmatic, right? That you know, just just because we can have this information doesn't mean it's going to impact. We can make the decision with what we got. Yeah, we don't need that. Let's move forward. Yeah. You know, and I, again, that's a skill that hap- You 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 get that as you're going through your different levels of your your development personal and professional development it, t- it takes time for sure speak let's move forward with with the conversation sure, sure. i think that's a, a big piece of this is like especially going through this book I, I i marked things off and when you're when you're in it it's so hard to be like above it looking at it yeah. so you get lost in those things you get lost in tiny little details and before you know it, your day's gone or whatever the situation is is over and then you've you've lost track of like the big picture. And that, right. uh, that happens to me on a, on a weekly basis. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you, you have in here uh, chapter three of sacrifice. That's chapter three is all about sacrifice. It's about the power of focus. Um, say a polite no so you can get to your yes. And man, oh, dude, the, the, the saying no is the most important thing. I think when you work for somebody else, Unless you really, really love what you're doing, um, you kind of just are looking at, okay, when's the day going to be over? And I'll do whatever I have to do. What do you want me to do? I'll just get it done so I can get the day over with. But when you actually come down to like, this is my life, and this could apply to a business you've created, or it could just apply to your the way you're living your life, it could apply to your family, it could apply to your friends or whatever, your hobby. Like You want to be able to make as much time for that thing as humanly possible. So you've got to delegate the stuff that isn't important or I shouldn't say isn't important to delegate the stuff that anybody could do so you can focus on that one thing that you know is your power like that's the one thing you're super good at right how do you start saying no to people well because that's tough I, it is incredibly hard because sometimes even when you go to say no or sometimes even when you say yes you think man this was a great opportunity for me I should be doing this thing and then you'll realize later on oh I should have said no to that no well you it goes back to you know you got to ask yourself does it align with my purpose yeah is it helping with my passion um does it 
you know, uh, will I have the right attitude about it? You know, you, it could be a feel-good thing. Hey, I got asked, to, you know, you're already busy. They got asked to serve on a committee for a charity. You know, you, you got asked to volunteer to go on a trip, you know, but you know it's, it's right at a crucial time. Um, I think that's the hardest thing, especially when, when you're being asked to volunteer for something that's right. kind of above self, right? And I think there's times when you just have to look at it and go, yeah, you can't do everything. You really can't. And and you have to be pragmatic. I was terrible at this, Rob. Terrible. I wanted to please everybody. Yeah. And I was not. And that's why I, I focused on that because uh, one of my coaches, you know, I and I had wished I'd have heard that, you know, years and years before. It would have saved me and a lot of other people a lot of <laughs> trouble if I would have just understood that, you know, the, the quick no, when, when you know you, you know, is, is better than the long, drawn-out no. Right. Where you keep having somebody come back, even though you, you really know. That you're going to say no in the You're going to say no. So what, what you're getting their hopes up, you know. Now, there's a difference between, you know, that and somebody being persistent and wanting, you know, persevere to get something. But if you really have no intention, don't have the money to, to in your budget to do something, then then the smartest thing you can do is say, look, I think you got a great idea. I just don't have the budget here. Uh, I'll help you connect with a couple other people, but I am not in a position to do this right now. Yeah. And it again, that allows you, you, you know, your yes is you got to save that money for something else. Yeah. Right, so if, if if you say yes to whatever this is because you're afraid to say no, uh, yeah, and you're not really saying no because you might not like the idea. That could be the situation, but th- it, there's no doubt that could be a situation where you do really like the idea. You really do want to help that person out or whatever the situation is, but it doesn't fit into your schedule. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit into your time frame, and it doesn't align with what your mission is. Well, and if you're not there, then you have to say upfront the no, no, because it, you're going to cause yourself more stress by by delaying it. You're going to cause them to get their hopes up, and inevitably they're going to be more upset at you. If you if you lead them on and then say no, then just say off the bat, "Hey, I can't do that. I'm sorry." And, it, and it, you know, in most cases, if you realize you made a mistake and you actually should have said yes, uh-huh. okay, in most cases, there's an opportunity to do that. Yeah. What happens then is people get paralyzed and go, well, "I don't admit that I I made a mistake. I should have said yes in the first place." Get over yourself, right? Right. Be vulnerable and just be willing to go back to somebody and say, you know, I should have said yes to this, and can I still be a part of it or make amends or join, whatever it might be? That gets back to checking your ego at the door mm-hmm. and being able to say, you know, um, I I really should have taken opportunity. Can I still do it? And I I I really think it gets back to being in the flow. Being in the right mindset, um, always difficult to make decisions when you're angry, yeah, or you're depressed, Stressed you had some or, kind yeah. of emotional trauma happening in your life, and that's why it's, you know, um, I think there's skills that I had I learned them years ago, I could have saved myself, my players that I coached, colleagues that I worked with, uh, a lot of angst if I would have just learned some of these coping skills. You know, when when you know you're about to blow your top, you, you've got to be smart enough to kind of stand up and say, excuse me, I, I, need, I need to 
go do something real quick or I got to go to the yeah. bathroom, I got to get a drink, you know, whatever it might be, just to go out and kind of calm down, take yeah. a deep breath, park your problems over here, come back, all right, okay, now I'm going to deal with it in a dispassionate way and and not get all emotional about it. And seriously, Rob, if some of my former players and colleagues would hear me saying this right now, they're probably <laughs> falling out of their chairs because I was an animated, emotional, in-your-face kind of coach. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, there was a time and a place for that. Yeah. You know, in most decisions that are happening in the business world – it doesn't always need to get to that point. You should save those for the times when it it really matters and pick and choose your battles, which, again, I it took me years to understand how important that was on both ends, when to say yes, when to say no. But if uh, it gets back to it, doggone it, if you know it's not feasible, then look the person and say, hey, I know we're friends. I know this means a lot to you. I can't do this right now. Good luck here. Good. That's better for both parties in the long run. Absolutely. So. And probably somebody else, too, because you're going to pass them on to somebody else who could also benefit from working with them. Absolutely. Um, so another part you have in here, and I, I just went through and, like, when I read books, I like put marks all <laughs> over it. So I'm just going through stuff that I marked off that I thought, like, I'd love to bring this up to you. Uh, mindfulness is the intentional attention on the present uh, intentional meaning purposeful, deliberate, conscious, and planned. It has never been more important than in today's mega distracted world, which I think uh, you hear about meditation so much more now mm-hmm. than you used to. And I think that wait it's, a minute, it's, Rob. Wait a minute, I got a text coming in. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. You have so, Facebook. Got to no. check. <laughs> so that mean, but that's that's yeah. I mean, distracted. It was hard enough to practice mindfulness before the digital distraction devices. You know dominated our lives now you have to be even more intentional and i am no different than anybody else oh my gosh i never realized just how addicted to my phone i was and now i love it because there's the new you can actually see how much screen time yeah it's you're either spending great or terrible oh when you get the end of the week results and you're like wow boy i well, failed again <laughs> and 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 i don't mind i mean look a lot of people this is how they make their living they're on they're on their phones that's, making that's splits me saying, that's my whole job yeah. okay now where it becomes a problem it's when you're in the middle of something all of a sudden oh hey the, the curve just scored <laughs> and those guys you can't step number one Turn every app notification off. off. Besides rain, besides my phone, somebody calling me or texting me, everything else is turned off. It has to be. Because what you don't need that. Yeah. You don't need it's so ridiculous. If you have fifty apps and they all have notifications on, how do you have time? Right. Well your day I mean, you're gonna spend your whole day just checking updates on your phone. What a waste of time. I uh, you know, it was uh, I just saw a cartoon the other day that 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 showed like all the negative news and and it and it and it said how do we get away from all this negative news yeah and it shows a person just turning the TV off and it's like that simple sometimes because right? you break it's it down just... to your day to day life 
I don't, maybe your life is terrible. I, if it is, I apologize for this statement, but if it's not, <laughs> usually your day-to-day life is not that bad. Nothing's really happening to you. Yep. There's just all this other stuff happening, and the more you focus on all that other stuff, yeah, your day's going to get worse because your mindset's going to be worse because you're focusing on negative stuff, and what a waste of time. And, and, and you know, my I got to tell you, Janet DeBlazio, who I talk about a little bit in the book, she was uh, very instrumental in my uh, and mentoring me when I first kind of came out of college and I was this very young hockey coach uh, who thought he knew it all. And uh, she was the general manager of the Junior Penguins. And uh, she was also my... Uh, How old were you at the time? This uh, is going 20, 22 years old, 23. Okay. And uh, she was also my accountant. And she gave me great advice about just, you know, the basic money, personal finance, stuff. But one of the things she always said was, Joe, listen, if nobody lost a limb, nobody lost an eye, nobody was killed, it can't be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, let's not, you know, talk about catastrophizing all of this. Something and, that can't be fixed, right? Yeah, I mean. and, and, you know, you just really got to remember to do that. And she, you know, understands that because – She's Italian. I'm Italian. We tend to have uh, <laughs> let our emotions. We wear them out on our sleeve. Get yeah. the let them get the best of us every now and then. It's taken. It's been a process. And do I get it all? No. I'm still every day. I have to fight that urge to you know overreact. And am I always successful? All you gotta do is ask my wife and kids. Well, and uh, but I'm tr- I'm trying. But right, that's why I think listening to respect your elders or whatever that statement would be is like you have to learn from the people who have been alive a lot longer than you because when you're younger, you think like, ah, they don't know what they're talking about. I have this thing figured out. And I think every young person thinks that. I've, I've thought it in many different situations. But the older I get, I realize, oh, wow. I, for what, what from where my uh, experience level was at, I had it figured out. Right. Uh, in air quotes. Right. But when I look at somebody who's like 30, 40 years ahead of me, they are seeing things from so much further above than where I'm seeing it. Right. That I well, need that perspective. Because you don't, you've never experienced it. You may even read it's about it. It's foreign to you. To, okay. You, until you've been through it. Yeah. It, 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 it sometimes, and I, that's why I look at a lot of young people and I, I don't think, it's part of the reason I wrote the book, I don't think that we give them enough real-life 101 examples. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you come out of college or you come out of vocational school, you know, the trade school, whatever, you get this job, and all of a sudden you have money. Yeah. And you start buying the best cell phone, and you get a nice car, and you get a house that the bank tells you you can afford, mm-hmm. right? But that what you don't realize if you haven't done your homework is, you know, you're up to here with a mortgage payment and a car payment and, and everything else. So you're about to break. One thing goes wrong. It, you lose your job. You, you're in an accident. You have some health issue, et cetera. And I'm not trying to say, you know, hey, don't, you know, try to have fun. And the, you have to always have some insurance. You know, you have to buy insurance and you have to create a rainy day fund, an emergency fund, just because. And e- and even with that, it's, you know, someday if you if it's your intention that you want to get married, you might want to have kids, you know, so this money you got right now is, oh, you know, I'm taking this extra trip. We're just going to jump in a plane and go to Vegas and go to the Bahamas, whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, instead you say you have the discipline to go, well, 
I think I'm going to take that money. And maybe we'll go on a fishing trip up at the lake instead, right? right? Or, you know, and, and we'll go to a local theater instead of having to go to Broadway, you know. And, yeah. and uh, you take that money and you're setting it aside because someday when you do get married, you're going to need it for the wedding. You're going to need it for, you know, a ring. You're going to, you know, all those kinds of things that maybe you're not thinking about. And all of a sudden, they're going to become. I, I see young couples do this all the time. Boy, they start off and they start buying this and buying that. It all starts with the wedding. Right. Start well, blowing yeah. money there. And it's just, yeah. Hey, I've told my daughter many a time, <laughs> you know what? I'll give you the money, you know, that you can use for the down payment in a house or something like that. We'll have a small, private, really nice private wedding. And then we're going to throw ourselves one hell of a pig roast <laughs> yeah. where we're just going to have a lot of fun yeah. later. Yeah. And and instead of that money that was going to just be spent, and sorry for you people out there that are wedding planners and that's how you make your living, but this is, I'm a pragmatic person, okay? Uh, I, I've watched several relatives and friends who did that. The big money on the wedding, da, 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 and six months later they're divorced. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. I, I, to and me, if you have the money for it, I mean, I, I guess it's not that big it's all of a relative. deal, yeah. right? It's relative. But if and you're I, like taking out loans to have that big day, I mean, not, that man, not smart, not a good idea. No, and I and I again, it I goes. Mean, you're putting your you're putting your relationship on stress immediately. You're putting stress yeah. right on top, right at the beginning. Yeah, you don't need that. You don't need that, and you do. You just my point is, you gotta. You always got you got a couple of buckets in front of you, and you know one of them is going to be retirement. You know, again, we talked about this before. Pensions are going to be the exception in the future. There's going to be very few jobs where, you know, you're, you're at the same job for 30 years and you're going to have a company pension. Yeah. You know, it's it's all going to be what you put away. You know, luckily, if you can work for a company that, or if you're running your own business, remember to set it aside. It's going to match what you put into it. Because nobody else is doing it for you, and it's always going to be this choice. You know, again, it's do I take the trip to the Bahamas, or do we put this money in an investment? Do we stick it in savings? You know, what, what do we need it right away? Until we teach people how to think that way and mm -hmm. understand the benefits of delayed gratification, right? Because you got to set up your emergency fund. If you're planning to have a family, you want to have some money set aside because what happens again? A lot of people, when once they do have kids uh, or adopt kids, um, they don't realize because again, you can talk all you want till you have them. You have no idea what yeah. that does to your energy level, your stress level. You know, just you know your lack of sleep. Everything um, changes, and, yeah. and, and it's expensive. Okay. Well, it's funny. I'm working with um, uh, I'm mentoring a, a student right now for this. Uh, yay program and they have to make business plans i never wrote a business plan i just i mean i just never did but we have to write his business plan as i'm writing it i'm thinking it's funny that you write these out and they're so detailed and specific and you've never even started the business right so once you start the business that whole business plan is pretty much you might as well just throw it in the fire yeah because it's going to change Within an instant, right. you can sit here and speculate all day long about what the projections are going to be, and it's nice to have. It's definitely good to have a roadmap. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but you also have to be um, realistic that, like this thing, if you're trying to follow that path and it's going to happen the way you wrote it down, or it's not going to happen at all, then don't even start. Right. Because man, that thing is going to be so different when you go back and tweak it. 
it'll look well it, so, so different. I I don't want to sound like non-committal or hypocritical because it's easy to say you know uh, go back to the Mike Tyson uh, those of you that remember who he was the heavyweight champion for a year probably you know one of the best fighters ever and he said you know everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the nose <laughs> you know and uh, but I think what he's trying to say is no different to what uh, President Eisenhower said when he was the supreme commander of uh, back in World War II you need a plan, even though once the first bullet is fired, that plan may fall apart. You still need to plan. Yeah. Right. But then you must adapt. Yes. You must be willing to pivot. You must be able to look at things in a different perspective. And, you know, you try, when you do a business plan, you typically end up making assumptions. And once you realize some of those assumptions, you either overestimated or underestimated, you've got to adjust and don't be so stubborn. Right. To not say, oh, okay, well, this isn't what we thought it was going to be. So check your ego in at the door yeah. and say, all right, look, we were wrong about those projections. So we're going to have just everything based on our revenue isn't going to be X. It's going to be T, yeah. you know, which means we got to look at our where we're spending our money on marketing and uh, maybe on production and, and, you know, our hiring practices, whatever it might be. So all those things are, you know, they're they're not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. And uh, you still need to have a plan, but, but you better. Prepare to change it yes. drastically. Yes. Well, it's funny. You, you said earlier about having insurance, right? So making sure if things go wrong, you have these things in place to you can change quickly and you can back them up. A lot of people don't have and I'm just making this word up on the fly uh, because I just popped in my head, but emotional insurance, right? Yes. Because like emotional insurance, I, I think is more important for everybody that I listen to who's you know a, a guru in these kind of things is the most important thing because then if you have an emo- emotional insurance, which means that if something goes wrong, something doesn't go right as planned, uh, a curveball is thrown into your life, you're emotionally ready to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Like you can actually bounce back fairly quick. You know how to not get overwhelmed you know how to not get stressed out by the situation you know how to see it happen and be like okay this is bad this is not good this is not the thing i planned for happening i could have a total mental breakdown right now if i wanted to right because i probably should in this situation whatever that situation is but that emotional insurance of like okay i know the tools that i've used and i've practiced so that i can weather the storm because if you can emotionally weather it through your own in, internally do that, then the, the external stuff's going to be so much easier. There, if you're there, in turmoil the whole time, everything's yeah, going to be in turmoil. There, there's, you know, you know, we have overly dramatic responses to things. I'm guilty of that. You know, yeah. part of that ends up, you know, I'm a ENFP on the Myers-Briggs scale and okay. a high ID on the DISC assessment. And, you know, so people that recognize that and know that about me you know, the most effective people that worked with me took that into account, right? That that was my personality trait, right? There's other people that are, you know, going to be really, you know, more consistent, conservative, compliant, you know, and they're a little harder to motivate sometimes, but they're also going to be there to have your back and be cautious and that sort of thing. And all these things are needed, Right. And and sometimes that person that's very with it together and even keeled 
needs to be paired up with somebody that's oh, got my personality absolutely. trait to help us kind of just keep it, you know, a little bit under more under control. It doesn't always work. And I can't, <laughs> I can't recommend enough taking personality tests. Yeah. Like I had, I didn't take them until probably like a year and a half ago. I took my first one. I mean, that should be something that in high school you take all the personality, the disc test, the pace test, the Myers Briggs, the Hexaco, the Attribute Index, uh, the um, Dark Triad test. They're most of them are free online. Some of them you got to pay for, but they are so They're worth it. freaking important because yeah. you learn about. And you might think you know yourself. You might think like, oh, I know who I am. Well, you take those tests. And people think, oh, they're BS. Those tests aren't legitimate. Whatever. You'll hear a million different things. But no, when it comes down to it, like scientists have put years into developing these things. They're extremely accurate. And they, they show who you are as a human being. And they show where your skill levels are. They show where, you, where your weaknesses are. And you can, they're like roadmaps for your life, really. You can figure out, like, I'm good at this stuff. I'm not good at this stuff. I'm excelling here. I need help here. Like if I have a business or whatever it is, this is the thing I should be focusing on. Like you said, you're a high eye. I'm a high eye. Like that's um, on the disc level, my individualistic, I'm, I'm like 95%. And I always wondered why. I, it's not that I, I don't have trouble working with others, but I have like just, I know what I want to do. And I have trouble breaking it. You're an influencer. <laughs> right. I have trouble breaking it. I have trouble like being like, well, no, I, I see it the way I see it, and I have trouble, I guess. Um, I'm a people pleaser, which is it, it conflicts with the high eye. So I know that like, if I want to do things my way, I just have to do it by myself. Right. Because I'll let everybody else's influences come in, and I'll say, oh, that's great, oh, that's great. And before I know it, my idea is gone. <laughs> and then I'll get mad about it, right? Okay, well, what happens so to you just, is that, that under stress, and this is mine, under stress, and my players again would fall off of their chairs when they when they hear this. But under stress, I go from this high ID to the exact opposite, where I become this high D, less of an I, and that's when you know Coach Batista kicked in, <laughs> and the eyebrow went comes. up, and you know uh, the blood vessel in my neck and in my forehead, <laughs> right. and and but that's. Isn't it good to know? Like, I wish somebody, you know, had I known more about that earlier, maybe I would have been more mindful of because it. Then you're just aware. <laughs> yeah. It's right? not like, oh, yeah, I know who I am. But whenever you take that and it lays it out for you on paper with like detail, like, oh, now I'm mindful of myself. Right. I know the me that's being me right now. Because right. we have a lot of different people inside of us. You know, it, it's, not, it's not multiple personality disorder. You just have different versions of yourself that yeah. come out well, in different situations. I talk, Everything we just talked about is really in the introduction of the book. Because, <laughs> How much time do we have? Uh, yeah. no, I mean, but, but, you know, I talked about the importance of assessments. Yeah. That, that it, it's not just that you have to do them. You have to meet with somebody that knows how to interpret them. Yeah. And we'll sit down and work with you because sometimes, especially, you know, it's like you get what you pay for. Yes, there's lots of free ones out there. I encourage people to do them, but you got to be careful that when you're, you know, you're taking a 10 minute test. Very well, true. That's going to tell you, you know, whereas if you're sitting down with a professional and doing one of the hour long, 45 minute long assessments and then having that person sit down, interpret the results with you. 
that's always going to be better. You're a hundred percent right. You know? on. That's a super important part to throw in there. Um, I'd shout out Ray Overdorf. I've worked with Ray on mine and he sat me down and we've gone through them like with a fine tooth comb and it helped me. You're right. Cause if I would have done it and just looked at it myself, I could have interpreted it however I wanted to, right. but right. with somebody to explain it to you, who's like a professional. At well, it, yes, especially the younger you are, sometimes if you're, if you're doing the assessments when you're 15 and 16 years old, which you should, yeah. Okay. Because it starts to make you think a little bit more. And, and I don't want to pigeonhole people, but because it's going to change as you mature. The yeah. more experiences you have in life, you know, you're going to start to see things in a different light, you know, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do them. Yeah. You, you, you just have to go in and say, okay, I'm going to take this litmus test of where I am, the snapshot of my life when I'm 16. When I'm 20, when I'm 25, when I, you know, I talk about the you review. Okay, you should when you're a little older, you're out of school, you're working. You should do a you review once every three months. Yeah, but people won't do it because it's you know you got to set aside time, you got to sit down for a couple hours uninterrupted, no music, no digital devices. It's you, maybe your accountability partner, but a lot of times it should just be you. And you're sitting down, you're looking at your written goals, which people have to remember, you should have written goals. Look at them and say, okay, where am I? Did I overestimate, underestimate? What pivot to what corrections I have to make? It's just like the business plan we were talking about. Well, it's the same thing with a life plan. You, you, there's no plan. Very few people are going to sit down when they're 15 years old and say, here's my life, <laughs> right? right? Now, that doesn't, again, mean you shouldn't at least be thinking in terms of, well, you know, at 15, I think this would be my ideal life. Yeah. All right. Now you're 21. You go, hmm, I'm smarter. I'm wiser now. And maybe the idea that I'm going to backpack through Nepal and China and, you know, do that and, you know, yeah, I'll let the wind kind of blow me. Maybe that's not such a good idea. Even the people, there's this fine line. And this is why I talk about how passion alone is not enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're going to spend 10 years chasing your dream, your passion, but it's not producing any income to pay your bills mm-hmm. all right now you're 30 years old and you look back and you're going okay what where where are you well you're eight nine ten years behind the people that have been making money you know paying into social security uh being able to put money into their retirement fund you'll never make up that 10 years worth of income and and that should be a conscious decision that okay you want to dream big and you're going to keep it real, you know, at some point you got to recognize, all right, I'm not going to be a rock star. You know, I'm not going to be a professional athlete. All right, well, no no, no big deal. I learned a lot on this journey to get there. I gave it my all. Now it's time to pivot. Yeah. Now I got to, now I got to, you know, tra- but I always talk, the reason, again, that I wrote this book was try to say to somebody, let's let's try to visualize the future. If I really think I'm going to be a you know country music star and end up in Nashville someday, right? Well, what's it take to get there? Yeah. Let, let, let's start. Let's study the people that have made it. You know, and and what do what do, you know? What do we know that it takes to get there? And but at some point you might say, you know, 
I, I guess I just, I thought I was better than I was, <laughs> and I got to make a pivot. I'll play in the weekend bands, and I'm going to go out and get a job now. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. As long as you can look in the mirror and go, I gave it my best shot. The shame is when you look in the mirror and go, doggone it, if I'd have worked a little harder, would have learned this, would have made this connection. Yeah. I look at, I always think of stuff like, this is a, a very simple example, but people who look at high school as their best years. Oh. And that's like, and I have, I, I have some friends like that, and I think like, man, I haven't even experienced my best years yet. They're still, uh, they're still to come. So, like, you got to look at life instead of looking at it in the past. Like, boy, that was great. That'll never happen again. Like, that's so, it's so wasteful. Nah, and it's so, yeah. I mean, it's so easy to say that. It's so hard to actually, to practice that. But um, I don't know, it always bums me out whenever I hear stuff like that. Because it's like, man, to look at the things in the past as the, was the best and it's never going to be that good again, it's just going to be different. Like, and, and, it's just going to change. But think about that, Rob. You, okay, so when you look at uh, the old guy sitting across from you here, I've gone through iterations, right? Yeah. Evolutions. I I started off in sales and marketing, working in the NHL. That led to a passion for coaching, yeah. which, you know, eventually I became an athletic fundraiser, and then became an administrator, and now I'm an entrepreneur. And I got to tell you that there were lots of ups and downs. Um, it's never been dull. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> and now I've got this new adventure in front of me. I'm not. I'm not ready, and this probably won't be the last one. Yeah. Which keeps life fresh. Yeah. Right. It gives you the opportunity to want to try new things, and even even you know, for somebody that's uh, getting close to retirement, I I still think that the power of pragmatic passion can help that person that's preparing for their encore career. So that's why the book is. It, it can it can cut across a lot of ages, genders. You know, it doesn't matter about your political affiliation. You know, this is a common sense guide. You know, to try to say, all right, you know, let's. There's certain things we got to make sure we're we got our act together on, yeah. and then we can allow ourselves. You know, these kind of outlier opportunities or avoid certain things. Um, in order for us to achieve what we believe success to be. Yeah. And that's the other part in the book I talk about that I think people don't spend enough time on it. What's your definition of success? Yeah. Is it whoever has the biggest house wins? Right. Well, how do we know that that's the person... How our society, that's how oh, America has defined it, right? I mean, which is why we're trillion... Part. How many trillions of dollars are we in debt? And... and uh, you know, and that, but that's the tough part when you see your country and the people you've grown up with like that's like that's the pinnacle of the happiness and you I mean how many times do you I hear it all the time and I've heard it all my life like that's not the definition of happiness but when you look at everything it's like well, everything's pointing to those things as being the definition of happiness so what really is no. and you have to figure that I, out I, again it just to me and I think people need to think about that it it is tough to have it all it really is to, you know to be able to make that kind of money most people that make the really big money do not get there without there being some serious sacrifices along the way. And, and sometimes it's it's the kind that, that are personal. It, it's a relationship yeah. with your family or your spouse or your children. You know, we, we see some of the most celebrated people 
that live some of the most tragic lives, right? Yeah. And and you know, I'm not going to sit back and say, well, they'd all look back and say, well, if I had to do it all over again, uh, you know, it is what it is. They're, they, you know, but don't always judge the book by its cover. Somebody lives in a big house. You don't know that they're swimming in debt as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Somebody's driving that nice car, right? Which, you know, to me, cars are the biggest waste because it, 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 they depreciate the minute you drive them off the lot, yeah. right? Buy them for practical. What, you know, what's the purpose of a car? Get you from point A to point B mm-hmm. comfortably, safely, etc. We have become basically brainwashed into believing that it's got to have the latest gizmos and gadgets, yeah. right? Or else we won't get it. And I, to me, I think the pragmatic piece of me says, you know what? So you buy a three-year-old car that's got nice stuff in it, usable stuff, and you just don't have the most you know, uh, new, uh, innovation, uh, in it. So what yeah. you, you, is, is that new innovation, the difference maker in your life? Yeah. You know, well, you're pretty shallow <laughs> if yeah. that's the case. And there's so. also, there's, there's loopholes around that now. So like I look at social media and being an influencer, right. As like this opportunity, you can say you build a, a significant social media following. And now that following is basically your opportunity to barter and trade. Mm-hmm. You have this following, so you go to a car place and say, hey, listen, um, I have 40,000 followers or whatever. What if you give me cars to drive and I'll advertise them on my Facebook, my Instagram page, and that's perfect trade. So you can have some old beater, but you're getting brand new cars from a car lot, driving them around, do a little advertising for them, and now you're getting brand new cars that's that aren't pragmatic. yours. That's pragmatic, though, right? Yeah. Because it's not costing you. Besides making the post on your page, I mean, and if you're driving uh, nice cars that you like, it's not hard to advertise them and promote them authentically. Right. And, and and don't don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be this, you know, buzzkill kind of guy. You know, I, <laughs> I don't I, see it as that. No. I think it gets to the point where, you know, you you have to earn certain things, and and you do have to make some critical choices. Yeah. You know, and at different stages of your life you know it does you no good to be 25 years old you got your first raise you know your first big promotion and you go out and buy the mcmansion right and you end up you know like i said you're you got a mortgage up to here and then you or your spouse loses their job and now what do you do yeah you can't even afford to make the mortgage payments let alone pay for the furniture and the cleaning and the gas bill and you know those kinds of things. And I, I just wish that we did a better job of teaching kids that sort of stuff when they're in high school so they start to understand the ramifications of their poor choices if they make them when they're in school that they are going to stay with them for a long long time and yeah. you know um you know nothing against folks that end up you know having kids when they're in teenagers but look do you understand if you have the choice there's a reason you try to avoid that because it puts you in such a disadvantage financially that you Time know wide, it, yes, it, you just that's where that discipline has to come in and you know, delayed gratification. There's a time and a place, right? And, you know, you don't need to 
rush this sort of stuff and yeah it's, uh, that's so easy i mean it's so hard to i mean imagine I, I, I can remember being 15 years old you don't even have a concept of that like you wouldn't have right. a concept of i remember i had the fake baby uh that you got in like home ec class yep that you do they even home. still offer home ec at most schools i don't know i made a hot dog pillow it was fantastic <laughs> the, the fake baby. I took this fake baby home and it like broke. It, I had it over the weekend and it was snowing and school was canceled and it broke and it just kept crying. So I threw it in the attic, right? And I, I failed the course, obviously. But the thing is, like, that, as a 15-year-old, I was like, stupid baby, get this thing away from me. Like, ah, because it, and if it would have been a real baby, I would have probably, I wouldn't have thrown it in the attic. But I would have felt the same way. Like I can't deal with this thing right now. I'm 15. Like you're supposed to be out. You're supposed to be out having fun. You're just not ready for it. So you can't even like it's. You're right. I mean, talk about the ultimate setback. And I just wish that there was more. Something my wife wants to do. One of her missions is to really talk to kids about those situations and. Like, how do you get that message really across? Yeah, that's really hard to get well, across. I still think it gets back to show them a real-life 101 example. Yeah. It's not, and, and you know, you do run into the PC police sometimes, though. That's well, the issue, that's too. Not, that's not fair. You're, you're, you're going to hurt the feelings of, hey, deal with it. Okay, what we're trying to do here. You don't learn unless you get a little hurt. A little pain causes yeah. growth. The, you know what? The the thing I can still remember when I was uh, younger was watching this movie. Anybody of my generation that had driver's ed will remember it was called Signal 30. And it was like real pictures of car crashes oh. and the carnage that came out of it. I mean, there were people in my class who were throwing up, you know, girls and guys that were crying because it was that impactful. And they got rid of the video, right? Yeah, of course, because it, you know, but hey, look, I got to tell you something. For me, personally, that made a lasting impression. I bet it did. Okay, and I I just go back to, if you could show somebody, all right, here's your life trajectory with and without a baby in your life from the time you're 15 years old. All right, you know, here's where your money could be, here's where it's going to go, et cetera. That doesn't mean that if it happens, you can't have a joyful, meaningful, successful life. And I don't want anybody to, to come away with that, that that's what I'm saying. But the probability is your life's going to be a lot harder. You're going to struggle, for right. sure. And then it's yeah. the same thing that happens when you know you choose at the age of 25 to say, you know what, I'm chucking it all. I'm tired of sitting in a cubicle. I'm going to go travel the world. You know, I'm going to go on this adventure. Okay, great. Now. Just remember that there's a couple of years of your life where you're not putting money into retirement, mm-hmm. right? Where you're probably tapping into your emergency fund to be able to do those things. Hey, that's a choice. Make that conscious choice. You choose to do it. More power to you if that's a part of your life plan. But then don't get upset when you're 55 years old and your buddies that didn't do that put that money away for retirement and they're moving to Florida. And you know, well, <laughs> you took the time out early to have some leisure. Which, they took the time out longer to have which some leisure. Which is why you know. you've got to have some balance in your life, right? And and you know, the point would be, you know, there you don't. Do you really have to just quit your job and go backpacking across Europe? Hey, don't we all wish we could do that, right? Or maybe you just say, you know what, we're going to keep our job, and we're going to save our money, and we're going to take a two week vacation 10-day vacation yeah. over to europe and you know 
not now. Okay, when you get a little older, you get a chance to go back over there for a little longer period of time. Life's about choices. Yeah. And there are consequences with choices. There are... It's a cause and know, effect to everything. There's a, a return on the investment. You know, maybe if you just decide to go off on your own at the age of 25, you might discover something that ends up becoming your passion, and that's great. Um, I All I say is just make sure that you've thought through what are the consequences of the decision. What are the benefits? What are the... the potential threats that come from it Mm -hmm. because you know if i'm gonna stop working i'm not earning income i'm you know and and there's the time value of the dollar you know that that you know you lose those years of compounding interest and that gets back to stuff that i think we should be teaching kids in school so they start to understand that yeah who did you know i can tell you i actually took a class in high school an economics class where we went over this stuff. I didn't pay any attention to it back then because it wasn't an important part of my life. Yeah. I have a good friend of mine who's, you know, kids, he made them do this stock market game when they were 12 and 13 years old. And I still remember how they complained about it and everything like But in the meantime, well, they're doing very well today. <laughs> One of them's actually in the business. Yeah. And, you know, so... You sit back and go, okay, here's the kid who, when he was 12 or 13, played the stock market game, and here's the kid who played, you know, Warcraft or Call of Duty or, you know, and I'm just thinking to myself, hmm, even if you can get the kid that's playing, you know, Fortnite nowadays, you know, get them to play this, you know, kind of stock market money habits game for a portion of it, you know, that's better than nothing. Yeah. Okay. But the kids that are playing Fortnite now for five and six hours a night—that's not getting them anywhere. Yeah, it's just—it's all balance. I mean, really, it's—it's—that's uh, whenever you're a kid, really hard to balance that out because you don't want to take the time to do that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Robert Kiyosaki has a game uh, that he wrote, uh, "Rich Dad Poor Dad." Mm-hmm. I'm gonna buy that when my son gets a little bit older, and it's, I guess it's like a monopoly or something like that. I've never—I yeah. I haven't experienced what it's actually like, but. That kind of stuff. If you can, if it's you cash can, flow game. Yeah, cash That's flow. What it is. If you can gamify important life lessons, yep. the best way to learn is to gamify something. If you can yes. make it fun somehow, that's the best way to do it. And when you're a kid, I mean, what's more fun than video games? If you can gamify that in some way. Doctor Jason Engerman is in the book. I don't know if you've gotten to that section. Okay. He's a playcologist. Yes. Okay, and yeah. that's exactly what you're talking about. It's the gamification of learning. Yeah. And, you know, he and, you know, several of these other, uh, you know, uh, future thinking people, Rex Miller wrote a book, you know, about changing, you know, change your space, change your culture, um, and the humanizing the education system. Um, There's, they're basically saying, we got to get out of being a part of the Gutenberg revolution and accept the Google revolution. We're in the middle of it. It's not going away. Embrace it. Mm-hmm. And and that's what Jason is. And Jason is a very, I work with him, and he is very grounded. Um, he's not trying to say the kids all should be out there just playing any old video game anytime. Matter of fact, when he says play colleges, a big part of that is putting the digital device away and going back and building blocks and, 
take a cardboard box and be creative. Yeah, That's create something. Let's get let's put play back into all this. But gamification of learning is a big piece of it. I'll tell you, we so my son and I we usually draw at night. So at, at the end, we either read books or we'll draw. Last night we were drawing just and there's no like it's not like a coloring book. We're just like drawing pictures, and he drew. A Christmas tree. He's only four, so you know the Christmas tree is like leaning, and all the Christmas, all the ornaments are like, like on the side. And I'm like, why are the ornaments on the side? And he's like, well, Dad, there's a window over here that you can't see, and the window blew the tree, and the tree, all the ornaments fell off the tree because the wind blew it. And I was like, what? Like, I, I don't know. That just seemed to me so creative. I was Absolutely. like, you drew a tree falling over and the ornaments falling off the tree that was your concept for this picture and i thought like you know if if you could make games and there are games that can cause an effect games you kind of choose your own path and it's not just laid out for you you figure so much out about yourself and that's what the creativity the imagination comes in there's nothing more powerful i I learned this from ray overdorf as well so ray's been on this podcast a couple of times and uh he's uh, a mentor of mine and he just he pushes imagination so much because, I mean, intelligence is powerful, but nothing is more powerful than imagination yeah. because that's where all creation comes from. Right. If, you can, if you can take the time and find the time to uh, be creative and to let your brain uh, just imagine, that's how, things, that's how the iPhone came to be. That's how, like, Disney, Walt Disney, his imagination was out of control. Right. Like, those things, those advancements in society don't come along unless somebody has, number one, the time to imagine and number two the the pragmatic pieces to turn that imagination into reality you right. need what is it dream big keep it real and then that'll get it, get done. it done well you know <laughs> albert einstein talks about how great ideas will always have um you know great opposition from mediocre minds you know, there's going to be some teacher that would look at what your son did and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, your tree needs to be perpendicular yeah. and it needs to be balanced and there has to, it's got to be symmetrical. And it's like, eh, that's pretty cool what you're talking about there. Yeah. We're always and, trying to make somebody bend to our rules of yes. how life should be, yeah. especially our kids. Right. It's like they got to do, this is the life, this is how life is. And like you're trying to make them fit into that thing and their vision of life is not that well it it's it, it always goes back to and, and you'll get a kick out of this i'm sure just remember that kids your kids and your parents have a common enemy <laughs> it's you <laughs> so that's why yeah. kids love their grandparents right, right? and uh because they're having fun yeah they, everybody's they're, good when there's a common enemy yeah there's there's <laughs> play like America. We, we have nobody to fight against we fight yeah, against each other against ourselves yeah right? it's so they, true idleness that comes with peace it's <laughs> right? so crazy it's, it's such it's uh i think the last let's just touch on this sure, for one sure, second here sure. i love this uh honor the past celebrate the present and then roar into the future like honor the past don't never forget where you came from you know you, you don't but don't live in the regret of it right don't right. bask in the glory of it and don't live in the regret of it honor it it happened but leave it there yeah that's tough it is that's the hard that's uh, the hard it, one it's Especially now, you look at what's going on and... Move that microphone a little bit it, yeah, to your it, face. There it, you go. It is, it is really hard for um, people, I think, to sit down and have a um, civil discussion about something like, what do you do with these Civil War statues? Do you just get rid of them? Because, you know, and it's like, well, they were a part of history. Maybe we have to say, okay, 
let's use them as a teachable moment. Maybe they belong someplace. Maybe they got to be moved. Maybe There's a they lesson have to, to learn. They're, they're, right, but to just kind of, you know, well, I, I, I don't, I don't pretend. I'm not that smart. I don't have the answer to this. I know this. Knee-jerk reactions don't usually work for these sorts of things. And yeah. let's 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 try to have empathy for every side here, but then come to a, a civil, uh, well thought out. You know, resolution yeah. to to the problems, and I and I think that's that's something that people forget. And there's certain traditions that are important and should should stay. There's others in sport. I went through this when I was playing. Hazing was accepted. You know, it was a rite of passage. You know, you were going to get hazed. Why? Because everybody did from year and year and year. Well, these days, we've, we now have scientific evidence that talks about how hazing doesn't build, you know, esprit de corps. It tears it down, yeah. you know. And, and plus, you know, we've had people that have taken it to the nth degree. It's a tradition that no longer needs to exist. Right. So you make adjustments. Yeah. Right, that's a good use of that. Yeah. But then there's others. But that, if you'd wipe said, it off the map and erase the idea altogether, then people yeah. would forget about it and just come back. It and would come back, through. right? And so you're right. It 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 is. You know, to me, you you must remember where you come from. But maybe sometimes it's in terms of using it as a way to inspire and motivate you. Uh, for sometimes it's just a rem- reminder of you know there's certain core values that they're they're universal. You know, don't forget those. Yeah, so. we should be preaching those over and over and yeah, yeah. over and over. And then, and then, celebrating <laughs> the present is to remember to be, be you know, mindful, be be present, focused, right? Yeah, be happy and, with what's happening right now. And oh, by the way, celebrate your successes. Yeah, there's a great um, video, and it was I think it was uh, somebody in Charlotte put it out, and it was a, a guy wakes up. And he and his wife are on, on Christmas morning, and they're wrapped like they're presents. And everything is, is a present. And the guy gets up and goes, wow, look, I'm alive. Yeah. And then look, oh, my wife is here. You know, and then it's like the children, the car's even wrapped. And, yeah. there's, and he's just, and the idea is be thankful for what you have. Right. Don't, you know, don't, when you look at yourself, oh, I don't have what the neighbor, you know. Be grateful yeah, but guess for what? what you have. Your heart's working, isn't it? Uh, or what do yep. you what what amount of effort are you putting into that heart beating? Um, what amount of effort are you putting in for all these organs to be in here working? Whatever like, you're you're, put, you're putting in zero effort yeah. really to live. You're you're I shouldn't say that for most people, but you are. I mean, there's this guy Michael Singer, and I've been really diving into his stuff because this is what he talks about. He's like because I've been trying to like how do you find real gratitude like oh yeah just be grateful for the day wake up and be grateful and the words are great but it's like what does it mean like how do right. I how do I like practically put that into my life and he, and he helped me to, when I was listening to him to put it into perspective of like you didn't do anything for any of this to happen we didn't build this building we didn't right. build the roads the cars the computers the mic I don't know how this thing works right like I don't know what's going I don't know how any of this stuff works I don't even know how to build a table for, I don't know how to build a shirt. Like I don't know how to. If I if I had a, a heart problem, I couldn't deal with that myself. I didn't make the heart. I, it's amazing that it even works at all. It's all incredible that it's right. even happening. It's a miracle that it's all happening. So if you get down, and and that might sound like woo woo to people because you say that to people sometimes, and they look at you like, 
that's just like, what are you talking about? That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. And it's like, well, that's actually the core of it that's, all. It's like, yeah. just to be grateful that any of this is even happening. It's right. mind blowing. We don't know how it's working. The internet, take it for granted. How's it working? We don't know. Right. Nope, we didn't build it. It's just there. Well, so let's take advantage of it instead right. of complaining about it. Absolutely. And letting it ruin your life. Look at it as a way to improve your life. Like, because right. it could, it could do either or. It's neither good nor bad. It's just a tool. Right. Are you going to let it destroy or are you going to create something with it? And by living a focused, you know, presence, you know, today, you're developing the skills, you're developing the competencies, you're developing the confidence and the courage to allow you to roar into the future. So you're prepared. You know, look, folks, there's going to be another recession. So I can't tell you when it's going to happen. If I did, I'd be a wealthy guy, right? If I could predict that sort of thing. But there's going to be one, and then there's going to be a recovery. There always is, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, let's, let's, you know, you position yourself to be able to pivot. We Mm -hmm. talked about this at the beginning of the show, right? You, you make adjustments as they are necessary. And, uh, you know, you don't live in fear. Yeah. You know, every day is is a gift, and and go after it as best you can. And uh, you know, I I know this when I have a light, when I have a purpose, and when I have a passion, and those things align, that's when I'm at my best. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm out of sorts with that, I'm out of the flow. That is when, you know, I start to get sick physically, I start to get depressed mentally, and I think most people are like that in one way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And so it, it comes back to what is your purpose? You know, what is it that you that really matters in your life? Are you passionate about it? And are you going to act on it and go get it done? Yeah, you know? absolutely. So. Yeah. That's, well, hey, we're going to give some books away? Yeah, let's do it. So we'll do on Facebook Live. We'll, we'll let people comment and stuff, and we'll, okay. we'll give them away later on. But yeah, leave a, make sure you like the post, leave a comment, and we'll pick a couple of winners. Got it. Awesome book, The Power of Pragmatic Passion from Joe Batista. <laughs> I, I like to say Batista because I'm a wrestling fan. But it's uh, all right. It's awesome to have you in here, man. It's, uh, this, this book is fantastic, and I, I just I can't wait to uh, – just see how it keeps going further and further. I know you've been doing bigger and bigger things. So if you want to spread the message to anybody out there, how do they, how can they get the book? How can they get more information about you? Maybe they want to book you to come in and talk, Yep. you know, something like that. How do they do all that? Uh, Pragmaticpassion.com is my website and you can find out everything you need to know about me there and the services that I uh, offer and, uh, you know, whether or not I'd be a good uh, fit for your organization. Um, uh, at Coach Joe um, is my uh, Twitter. Um, and uh, I, uh, if you want to email me, joe at pragmaticpassion, one word, dot com. Uh, you can order the book on the website. Um, and if you put in the code, because you listen to Rob Z, <laughs> passion 5 It'll give you a $5 discount off the price of the book, and I'll personalize it for you. Very cool. So thank you so much for coming in again. Oh, Rob, thank you. And uh, happy holidays to you, sir. Same to you, sir. Powerful. Powerful, my friends. Joe Batista dropping some knowledge on you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I love having him on. He's just a super passionate dude, and I love what he brings to the table. So get that book, 
the power of pragmatic passion. Check out LHTA Wellness Center to get your float on in a sensory deprivation tank. And make sure you check out DDP Yoga if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to get in shape, if you're trying to be more flexible or get rid of some of those aches and pains that are in your body, especially like in the early morning. DDP Yoga is just for you. I guarantee you that. Check it out for yourself. And Zebras, thank you for listening. Shout out to Jake Over. All the beats on this episode are from my man, Jake Over. Find him on Facebook, and I'll talk to you next time. This is Rob Z Radio. 